welcome to Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker, where we uncork stories of remarkable and astonishing people. And my favorite opportunity on the podcast is to learn about people beyond what we can find out about them on the internet. Joining us today, we have Eric. Eric, are you in Vancouver? I am in Vancouver, Yale Town today, actually. Uh, Eric from Vancouver, uh, but you hail from Calgary. Is that true? So I spent six years in Calgary, did my post-secondary, um, had my post-secondary experience there, but originally I'm from Cranbrook, BC, so southeast corner of British Columbia, about uh, 22 or 3,000 people, so I spent the first 17 years of my life there, and uh, visit uh, back home to see mom and dad uh, as often as possible. So cool. Well, thanks for joining us. I was just chatting with Eric about how he is a good friend of my brother's, um, Matt, and I felt like his name kept popping up everywhere. And I'm like, who is this celebrity? And I thought my brother might just have had a, a friend crush on you. And the truth is you're actually friends. And um, now we get to be friend friends. Crush. Yes, it's a mutual <laughs> friend crush for sure. Now it can be a mutual right. friend triangle. This is great. I like triangles. Um. That could have been, there could have been a lot of jokes there, but let's just carry on, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> okay, Eric, based here in Vancouver now, um, a, a dear friend of the Corkers, tell me how you spend your days. So there's, there's, there's three real focuses that I'm working on. Number one is the consulting side of things. Uh, number two is, is the content creation or, or writing. Uh, and number three is public speaking. Now that's on, on the more professional level. Personally, uh, I'm training for a half Ironman right now. So trying to get some time in the pool on a bike, uh, just running around the seawall. Uh, and then, you know, trying to make sure there's, there's some, some ample time for, for social activities and, and seeing, seeing friends and even just maybe, maybe a little downtime every once in a while as well. Holy smokes. Right on. I, I'm trying not to get excited that you're doing a half Ironman. Um, because public thought that might... consulting is cool too. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So it was uh, kind of a, an off the cuff suggestion from, from, a, from a couple of friends. And so I believe there are eight of us that decided to just do it. And we haven't really done major triathlons or anything before, but we know how busy we get and how, you know, priorities are what they are. And so, so we thought, you know, the best way to hang out with our group of friends is to number one, be active and dedicate the time uh, to be able to spend time with each other. So uh, the, what I'm most excited about for, for the half iron is, is already happening now and it's the training and, and the necessary prioritization of time so that we can spend time with people we really care about. That's so cool. I wanted to talk to you about getting to know each other and getting, getting to know people. Um, and I think you get to know people you think you're close to on a very deep, intimate level when training for something like an Ironman or a half Ironman. So um, this is an exciting journey. Have you chosen well, the start line? Yeah, so we're we're running Oliver um, first weekend awesome. of June, which we're really excited about. And, and like you said, you know, getting to know people. What I what I've come to realize of speaking and writing, well, and truthfully on on the consulting side too, is it, just connectivity and belonging. Uh, when when I look at some of the statistics on how much we're using technology and how much we're on screens or or behind them, uh, it, I was kind of kind of blown away. Uh, and, you know, just to throw some numbers out there, on average, we're checking our phones about 85 times a day. We're spending between three and a half and four hours on our cell phones, 10 hours a day uh, on our screens. 
And a Harvard Business Review study late 2017 came out and said that 40% of corporate America is feeling alone. And that health implications of that are, are the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so, you know, we, we, we ran in back in January, we ran a, a LinkedIn meetup here. We had 240 people come out and we had 100 people on the waiting on the wait list. And it was really exciting. And, and I got to host and, and moderate the event. And, and the first thing that I did when we got in the room was talk about connectivity and meeting people. And also about how, you know, at least using myself as, a, as an example or a case study, uh, I feel that I'm on autopilot a lot of the time, just doing what needs to be done without really considering much about it. And so for the first uh, minute, what I got people to do is obviously, you know, turn their phones on, on silent, not even on vibrate, on complete silent, just so we don't have that vibration and that distraction. And, and just look at the person across from you, see the whites in their eyes, see the color of their eyes, you know, stand just far enough away that you can't smell the coffee on their breath, but close enough where you could almost touch them. And the trust and the, the depth of connection that happens in such a short time when we realize and see people for who they are and how they're showing up, you know, by the end of the minute, everyone was hugging and happy. And it came to be that at the end of the, the networking event, we got, we got kicked out uh, because they were closing the building. And this was just after 10 o'clock. And so, you know, whether it's running uh, a triathlon or, uh, you know, speaking on stages, wherever it might be, I think there have been about 150 in the past three and a half years, or, you know, on the writing uh, side, when it comes to meeting and connecting with people, I found that the, the fewer distractions, the better, and the opportunity and the choice to be present with whoever you're with and give them 100% of who you are um, really enables a sense of trust and, and this feeling of belonging that I think is harder and harder to find. Um, I normally like to do these podcasts for 20 minutes, but we can just stop now. <laughs> We're six minutes in and truth bomb dropped. <laughs> done okay. and done. No, I'm joking. I want at least 26 more minutes with you. Okay, we've got because it. Thank goodness for humans like you doing this work. And we check our phones 85 times a day. That's what's embarrassing. Funny, what's funny about that too is in that study, they asked, you know, that you'd have a tracker on your phone, how many times you unlock it, et cetera. And, and they would ask individuals after, uh, how many times did you check your phone today? And, and the average response was, was 40. <laughs> and so it's become so habitual that we don't realize we do it anymore. We walk down the street, we've got, we're looking down, we're on the bus or, you know, even driving and we've got Bluetooth connection or, you know, we're on the train or on a plane or wherever we are. And, and, and truthfully, we don't generalizing, we don't look up. And uh, I, I fear, and, and unfortunately, I think we're almost there that we can, you know, go through an entire day without interacting with someone. And that, that scares me. No kidding. So have you built your business around this idea of connectivity or how, what are you consulting on and what are you speaking on? Sure. So uh, my, my personal mission statement or my personal goal is to remove the negative connotation associated with work. I, I believe that work is something that we can do and not something that we have to do. And so on the consulting side, you know, I've partnered with Rocky Ozaki. We've got a company called Now Innovations, and we do a lot of culture and change management within organizations. So we, we built a tool that quantifies culture in the workplace, and then we look at change management processes. I mean, if I, were to, if I were to look at the job description today, again, generally speaking, really, it's not a description of the job at all. It's a skills and requirements checklist. 
um, what I'd like it to be because I believe that it's not about work-life balance anymore or work-life integration. It's just life and works a part of it. What I'd like to see is a life description as a result of the job. So what time do you, what time do you wake up? What time do you uh, go to sleep? What time do you get to work? How many overtime hours are you working? How often do you leave the city? Uh, how many countries have you been to in the past year? Do you have any kids at home? What's your favorite genre of movie? Do you even watch movies? <laughs> are you training for a half Ironman or some sort of triathlon or run? And, and really, we've been talking about values of people like it's limited to integrity, respect, honor, communication. And, and while that's true, I think it's a lot bigger. I'd like to learn more about what they value in terms of the life they want to live. Because I believe that what we do doesn't matter as much as who we do it with, how we do it, and why we do it. And if I can elaborate a little bit more on that, uh, I, I looked on LinkedIn uh, just you know not too long ago, and I looked at account managers for the greater Toronto area, and there are 149,900 of them. And uh, I believe that in a perfect world, if we were to reconfigure the workplace based on who people were, uh, why they were doing what they were doing, and how, whether it be remote or flexible uh, or results-based versus time-based, we would see a complete reconfiguration of the workplace where what people do didn't matter as much as how they felt as a result of doing it. And, and one of the things that I think is, is interesting, one of, the, one of the worst, best intended advices, there are pieces of advice that, that I've heard is, is to go and find or go and follow your passion. Because I think what happens is that we always end up chasing that unicorn that might not exist. We always think that the grass is greener on the other side. What I'd like to hear, instead of trying to follow or chase your passion, is to find or follow the things that make you feel passionate. And if that's the case, that can come from one of a thousand different sources and we can find happiness through the feeling that we get from what we're doing and worry less about what it is exactly that, that uh, makes us feel that way. Hmm. Juicy. I have so many things to say and, um, or rather so many questions to ask you really. Um, one is, do you believe that it is the person or the company's responsibility uh, to, to help the person craft life that way? Uh, I think it's joint. Um, I believe it's the responsibility of the company to identify what sort of culture they want to create and be intentional about that. I don't believe any company should cater to or accommodate to or bend for anyone necessarily. But I think because for so long we've been hiring solely on skills, actually, you know, an, an analogy of Matt's, is, is, is that skills, in my, in my opinion, skills, requirements, experience, uh, those are all the base of a cake, right? Every cake has got that foamy piece. <laughs> uh, the differentiator, the, the icing, the sprinkles, the candles, the decorations is going to be the, the values that we articulate and the alignment of the people in the organization. So unless a company can understand what culture they want to create and what type of individual they want to be a part of it, then, it, then it's really, it's tough for the average job seeker or employer to search for something that they don't know exists. Hmm. I would also say though, if a company is articulating the experience that they're looking for, the individual that they're looking for, it's up to the individual to ensure that they're aligned with that and to be really spending the time and effort required to find that fit too and to be asking the right questions. Right. Do you have an example of an organization um, or a group perhaps that you've worked with that you think is doing an exceptional job of integrating what the company requires and what the human capital of that organization sure. require? 
Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the good local examples here, I think that's doing a great job is Bench, the accounting firm. I mean, their past startup phase and everything else now, but the way that they talk about their story and their people and who they are and what they value, even on, even on their website, the question at the end of it is is not do you want to work here? It's basically do you want to work with Steph or with mm. Matt? Because these are the people that you're going to be spending more time with than your spouses or your or your girlfriends or boyfriends or whoever that might be. Because work is bigger now than it's ever been before. It's not this transactional nine to five experience. For example, if I were to ask you ten years ago what you did for work, that was it was almost a bit like taboo, right? Because it was a more transactional experience. Now, because it's so all encompassing, it does certainly impact. Uh, what we do for volunteer opportunities, uh, you know, who, who we're hanging out with, if even if we're on call from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to sleep. And so I think now work is really a bigger identifier of who we are. And I think Bench does a great job of telling that story. Cool. Um, I, I read somewhere about you that you are a self-proclaimed millennial. Is that correct? Oh, I would say oh. the opposite. Order. Oh, okay. Well, well I mean, <laughs> we can... I don't know if we have enough time for this conversation. I mean, I, I kind of think that, that generations are a bit of a false construct um, in that what we are doesn't determine who we are. So whether you're male or female, black, white, or anything in between, uh, millennial or Gen X, that doesn't at all determine what we are, or sorry, in terms of, of what, what we value and who we really are. In fact, a good friend of mine, David Allison, uh, did 65,000 surveys on this last year between Canada, China, and, and the United States. And we found that if we were to group people just based on their, I'm not going to say artificial, because it is kind of real, depending on how you define it, on their generations exclusively, they only had 13% of their values, wants, needs, and expectations correlated. Now, if we were to group people based on a variable such as creativity or anti-materialism, and we stripped age, sex, ethnicity, whatever, whatever other traditional demographic we used, we found that we could be 700% more accurate in aligning people based on what they value and what motivates them. And so, wow. yes, by age, I'm a millennial, but I also have more in common with people who are 15 and 50 than I might then with, right. with people who are also 26. And so I'm trying to really advocate for hiring people based on who they are in terms of what they value, what they stand for, rather than what they are in terms of how old they are, whether they're male or female. Because I think then the conversation goes from diversity and inclusion, which I think can be check checkbox exercises, to a real sense of belonging, which is a totally different, far deeper conversation that I think we all need to be having. Well, amen. I wanted to know if this approach might be of a millennial variety, and I don't care anymore. What I really care about, though, is generating the feeling of passion. And right. I, one of my best friends is Danielle Laporte, and she's based cool. here in Vancouver. She's amazing. Obsessed yep. with feelings. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a progressive way of looking at things. Um, yet mm -hmm. I also think it's really easy to overlook um, you know, feelings can be fleeting. Feelings can overcome us and we don't even, you know, it's, we, if we aren't present to them, we aren't aware that, you know, that was really exciting until we look back on it. And when you mentioned the feeling of being passionate, I want to know the last time you felt that sort of enthusiasm, that, that passion for a work project. Every time someone like you 
ask me a question like this. I mean, I get on a, a platform like this where we can, whether we call it debate or converse or discuss, uh, pick one. Uh, yeah. I, I love conversations like this where we challenge what we thought were best practices and get to jointly come up with an alternate, perhaps more effective or efficient solution. Mm-hmm. Now, in any of the speaking or writing that I'm doing, I don't write how to's or do this. You know, what I really want to suggest is that maybe the way that we've been doing things and looking at things on this like autopilot life that again, I'll use myself as an example, I'm living, maybe there's a better way. And if we look at what we're doing now and realize that it might not be efficient, knowing that people are so complicated and so unique, I want people to come up to their own, come up with their own solutions, realizing that, Hey, you know what? I never thought of it this way. And if I can be the catalyst to change because I've allowed people to see that there is an opportunity for something different, then I feel like I've been doing my job. Amazing. And when you do your job, something tells me you're passionate. (laughs) Absolutely. And that passion or that feeling of passion, be it fleeting or not, can come from so many different areas. It can come from the end of a run, as you know, or a cycle. I mean, I could be passionate about that or even hanging out with a friend and having a good conversation. Passion doesn't, in fact, I would say very often doesn't come just from a professional experience, right? And so oh, totally. Search, yeah, if we can search out these opportunities to feel uh, and you know, I think when you feel passionate about something, that's when that feeling is, is very present as well. And and you realize in the moment that you're feeling it and perhaps not necessarily in retrospect. I like it. Um, I have a series of some rapid fire, quick answer questions that I don't want you to think too hard about. Uh, but I want your immediate answer, the immediate thought that comes to mind. Is that cool? Very cool. Okay. Uh, in the name of connection, who was the last perfect stranger you met? Um, it would have been somebody on the Canada line, a total stranger that just was standing there by himself. We just had a chat. I got off at the airport and it was a, it was, it was a meaningful connection. Cool. When you think of the word successful, who's the first person to come to mind? I there isn't one person because I think success looks different for each individual that experiences it. So success, you know, I won't go on too long. Success to me used to be the person with the most money, the fanciest car, the biggest house, you know, what I think societal success has traditionally meant. I look at any of one of my friends that, that likes their job or likes the life that they're living. And I see them to be equally successful as the next. All right. What is something you believe that other people think is insane? That millennial is a false construct. <laughs> I, I am with you on that. <laughs> um, what purchase of $100 or less has positively impacted your life in the last six months? Oh, uh, one of my New Year's resolutions every year is to like revamp my sock collection uh, and having new socks that are, you know, uh, that are fresh is, is awesome, especially now getting more into this, this physical scene. Who makes your favorite pair of socks? In uh, Instance, or maybe it's just Stance. I don't know how to say it, but it's yeah. got a, a cool logo and they're the best. It's hard to beat. They're actually one of my favorite pair of running socks too. I kind of, I kind of thought you know exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> of course. Um, this is one of my favorites. What is your current favorite obsession outside of your inbox? Running. I would never in a million years. I mean, my first run uh, late into September was like two kilometers and did a 20 last weekend and did a casual wow. seven last night. And 
it's uh, it's been great. And you know, I don't necessarily get excited about it yet, uh, but as soon as it's finished, I just feel like a million bucks. So cool. I love it. Um, our our last question, our favorite question to end on is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Well, also running for sure. Um, but I, I get excited at potential. I get excited about, uh, change. I get excited about the opportunity to influence. And so whether it be in any of the mediums on the professional side of things, uh, whether it be writing, uh, speaking, consulting, um, I, I, I really get excited about this stuff and, uh, you know, I don't feel like I work, um, and, and really enjoy, or at least attempt to, or try to enjoy, uh, every single day as a result. Amazing. And Eric, where is the best place for people to find you? Um, LinkedIn is, is probably my, my go-to platform. Uh, it's just first last name. It should be the only one, uh, only one out there and, uh, look forward to connecting to with anyone and and anyone who wants to have a chat. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Stefan. See you on the seawall. (laughs) Catch (laughs) me if you can. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot. Okay.